Yeah, if the thing is good and satisfactory and ended well, leave it alone. Play um, with your sex tape, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, you are listening to Grape Culture, the podcast where we talk about wine, pop culture and feminism. I'm Kim. I'm Sam. And we hope you enjoy the show. On this week's episode, we are going to be talking about Hocus Pocus 2, because it is the season of all things spooky and witchy. But before we talk about that, we have been on a bit of a break, just because of life and things and stuff. But how have you both been, Alex and Kimberly? How are things going? Kim is broken. Maybe we'll come back to you. Alex, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, just raising two babies. Just, just mildly raising two just babies. Just mildly raising just two babies. Eight months old. Jesus Mad. Christ. Mad. I know. How are they? They're fine, they're eating solids, they're messy, they're pooing, they're weeing, they're happy. Excellent, that's all you can ask mm-hmm. out of life. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm fine now. Yeah. I had COVID, that was fun. That's not so good. Yeah, I had had COVID and various other ailments and... <laughs> <laughs> drops the least jolly thing ever. I mean, it wasn't exactly a particularly jolly break, there was a reason we had a break. I have numerous ailments. <laughs> I had COVID and a mental breakdown. What did you have? <laughs> I had two babies! <laughs> and I also had a holiday and a Hindu. Uh, not my Hindu, someone else's Hindu. But there was a Hindu that I had. There were hens. There were hens mm-hmm. that were organised by my by me. When there are By my hands. <laughs> by my hands. There mm-hmm. were alpacas. Yeah, there That's were alpacas. Good. I mean, I think that is the best thing ever. On they the, were great. On the scale of events in the past like two months for you, alpacas, I feel, are the top. Yeah, and then mental breakdown at the bottom. Covid. <laughs> yeah, then, uh, I holiday mean, in the middle. to be honest, actually, mental breakdown, and that's that's a really strong way of saying like I, I had the sads. I had a brain wobble. I had a brain wobble. That's probably like second from the bottom. I've just been working and crying. Is that not what everyone's been doing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we're back. Yay! Aren't you pleased? Much like. The witches and hocus pocus. Ooh, segue. Ooh, exactly. Oh, bad, bad slam on the table. But before we start talking about witches, we have a very spooky-looking, voodoo-y Ooh. bottle of wine in front of us. Kim, you pick this. Tell us why. Okay. The why is simple. The why is I was walking around Sainsbury's and I saw this bottle of wine and I was like, yes, tis the one sold. Tis, tis. And then I sent you guys a picture, like maybe for podcast and by the time that you had replied being like, yeah, no, that sounds good. I'd already bought it. Cause I was like, Great. if they don't want it, I've got a nice Malbec to try. So, mm. Ooh, um, spoilers. So we have the Wanderer Malbec, bold red wine of Argentina. Bold. Those who boldly seek shall find apparently. The harder you search, the better you find. But yeah, I chose it for that reason, but also I chose it because, like I say, it does have a really cool spooky bottle label thing. It's got words. dice and cards and It's got skulls. dice and cards. It's, yeah, it's got a real, like, magical, like you say, voodoo-y kind of vibe going on. It felt really appropriate for any kind of magical conversation. And then when I watched Hocus Pocus 2, there was some emphasis on both white versions of Halloween mm-hmm. and also heads. <laughs> and skulls they did they do like a, a so beheading it, it works very mm. nice uh, again this is the wanderer malbec the tasting notes are as follows the hunt there is but one purpose one goal a soul mission Jesus. traversing mountains <laughs> crossing plains hiking forests and navigating waters the wanderer hunts for those rare grapes suspended on those forgotten vines left idle longer than most would dare 
In the middle of an untamed land, the journey is hard, wearing and challenging. One that most avoid. Why, you ask? That is simple. Those who boldly seek (laughs) shall find. This is the making of a bolder, more adventurous wine. The wanderer Malbec is rich and full-bodied with layers of velvety black fruits, hints of spice and smooth oak flavours. So it's every Malbec... Ever made. Ever made, but with funny fonts in the description. I enjoy the effort. Also, it's got a good thumb. I feel like that's a lot of effort to pick those grapes. I hope that they're worth it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they will be. You've got a good thumb in the bottom there. Good thumb. I wouldn't want to go to their vineyard as like, you know, like a little tour. I feel like it would be a lot of effort involved. It it seems like it would be a very, very intense person telling you a lot of things and you'd just be like, can we just taste the wine, please? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of. Let's taste the wine, please. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. My mouth went, oh, so I don't know. Mine did too. It's like, nice. Not sure. Think Mm. nice. It tastes really like thin. Oh, I thought it tasted quite juicy. Mm. Yeah, I thought it was a bit bloody. <laughs> oh, I feel like it's not like very thick. It's not. I don't think it's a mouth coater. Mm. No, it's but that maybe, maybe that's, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? It feels. I like it. Shiraz, I quite adjacent, like it. But I, I also quite like it. Jason Shiraz. Jason Shiraz. Ad- adjacent Shiraz. Adjacent Shiraz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does kind of taste like. Alcoholic Robina. Mm. Mm. Not mad about that. Which is, yeah, not a bad thing. Well, I am enjoying both the drink and being back with you guys talking absolute <laughs> shite. So <laughs> it's going well. This is going to be an absolute shit show. Oh, well, I'm very, very much in the mood for that. But you know what was not a shit show? Oh. Or was it? Spoilers. Was it? Pocus Pocus 2, baby. Pocus Pocus 2. Pocus Pocus 2. <laughs> So this has been in the in the works for a while. There have been rumblings about a second Hocus Pocus. The first one came out in 1993, which is Jeez. disgusting. And it's also disgusting that that was in our lifetime. Well, we were only like four. four yeah, I mean, I three, don't four. I don't remember the first time I watched this film because I must have seen it when I was so young that it didn't register that I was watching yeah. it. You know? I think we had it on video that we taped from the TV. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Thief. And then... <laughs> Well, oh, everyone, everyone. I think I was missing the. I was. I was probably missing Shady the first moon. three minutes because it was the fumbling of quick, quick, quick. Get it in. Get it in. Which you know is an insight into my sex life. <laughs> I was going to say the title of your sex tape. <laughs> so quick, quick, get it in. Aside, this film has been in the works for a long time. When you heard that the sequel was officially happening and coming to Disney Plus, how did you feel? Because there is there has been a tendency in the last few years to make sequels to films that were filmed like 30 40 years ago thinking like bill and ted there was another one that came out recently oh, uh, dumb and them. dumber too <gasps> what i did not know about these two things yeah. both of those have had sequels released in the last three years and they were films from the 80s and 90s it's better a sequel though than a remake better a sequel than a remake but they haven't historically gone down very well what did you expect that this would be any good based on other performances and other movies so trepidatious is the first word that came mm. to mind. I am on record as saying that I really don't like the trend of remakes and, and sequels and blah, blah, blah. I think it's lazy and boring and I couldn't give less of a fuck and leave things alone and just stop, come up with new ideas. Fair. I'm also not someone who is super interested in the extended cinematic universe of XYZ. Just 
leave the thing leave a thing alone if the thing is good leave the thing yeah if the thing is good and satisfactory and ended well leave it alone like um, your sex tape yep <laughs> <laughs> What's done is done. Um, Leave it alone. What's done? <laughs> oh, bleak. But so I was, I was trepidatious, but also like I don't have a huge level of nostalgia for the first Hocus Pocus in the same way that, really? yeah, in the same way that everyone else does in within our friendship group. It didn't like wrench my heart open that I was like super worried, but I was worried for you guys. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Um, How will they cope? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, trepidatious, cautiously pessimistic. Cautiously pessimistic. Okay. So low hopes going into this. low hopes, <laughs> yeah. low expectations. Yeah. But I was kind of like, I know I'm going to watch it. Mm. Well, of course. And I'm yeah. probably going to enjoy it. And one thing that did give me a little bit of hope was that the first one, in my memory, is very camp and silly. Mm. And so, it, because of that. Because it was a live action campusilly, it didn't matter if it wasn't yeah it wasn't, done particularly well. It wasn't Shakespeare. Yeah, because I think some of the stuff that does get remade or sequeled or whatever is was supposed to be serious or was, or they try to make it very serious and dark and gritty. And I was like, as long as they stick with the campness and don't try to make it terribly dark and gritty, then yeah. it will work. As long as um, they keep true to the silliness of the original. And I think it. that, you know, spoiler alert, I think that they did do that very well yeah true. i barely saw a single smartphone so that's always good <laughs> i was very excited not like so excited that i was rushing on to disney i saw it lingering there on disney plus and i let it be for a little while and then thought the time was right mainly because we were going to chat about it on the podcast i have fond memories of watching it as a kid as i said we had recorded it from the tv so i didn't even realize it was a disney film because i didn't have the beginning bit so you didn't have the flying over the forest no nope. sequence okay none of that none of that anyway i was excited but i wasn't I think if you'd asked me maybe a couple of years ago, I would have been more excited. Now life is different. I'm just like, hmm, that's nice. I'll watch that. I don't feel joy anymore. <laughs> just basically what you're saying. <laughs> I had children and now no joy. <laughs> I'm just drowned in a sea of nappies. So... Um, so I was excited, but not like bouncing off my hand when I whacked it on. It made my soul a bit happy. Good. Similarly to you, Kim, I was trepidatious in light of the crap that's been coming out of Disney live action films recently. Yeah. I feel like so many of them sort of miss the miss the point of the original or try and do something that no one asked them to do. What this had going for it was it had the original cast, a lot of the original cast, in terms of the three main witches in Bette Midler, Kathy and Jimmy and Sarah Jessica Parker. I was very happy about that. I think yeah. I would have been sad. Because if, if they was... tried to do it without them, it would have been like, absolutely, yeah, no, absolutely no, no, no. Are you joking? And they even had the guy that played Billy Butcherson, whose name I can't remember. Sorry, Is it the same person? Yeah, same guy. He's, he's also the one that does a lot of the Guillermo del Toro films. The, <gasps> like, oh no, Lanky I'm really Alien. sad because he was one of my disappointments. I was like, oh, I didn't like him. They shouldn't have given him as many lines. Oh. But yeah, original actor. Not um, just... <laughs> yeah, it turns out when you have your mouth shut for the entire oh, movie. you're a better actor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, gentleman whose name we don't know. But I think the fact they kept them was 
really important to this being anywhere near successful. Um, and I think, like you say, Kim, the fact that the the first one was just stupid, <laughs> but great. I was like, as long as they stick, to, as long as they get the great in with the stupid, they can't really go too far wrong, right? Mm. So with with the stupid but great and with the things that we've <laughs> talked about, the director Anne Fletcher said that this was made with the fans in mind. This was very much like a a love letter to the fans of the original, not we're going to try and hook in a whole new hocus pocus audience. And the original was critically slated it did not it did not do very well but it's become a bit of a cult favorite yeah do you think this was successful in appealing to fans of the original movie yeah yeah great next question yeah to elaborate yes i do i think that it hit all the right notes it didn't as i said it didn't try to do anything very serious it didn't change the tone it didn't change the attitude it didn't change greatly the plot and it gave all the attention to the, the the aspects of it that you, as someone who grew up with it, would appreciate, you know, both the central three characters, the witches, but also the identity of the oddball, you know, teenagers who are interested in the witchy stuff and, 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 and being slightly outside of main, you know, quote-unquote cool kids or whatever. Like, those two elements that were in the first film and that probably have carried a lot of i'm gonna go on a limb here and say elder emos through in their fanhood of this um, the the queer kids yeah exactly like it it carried through and they hit a lot of those notes so i think that absolutely yes and i think that the choices that were made to make the film more inclusive and everything were it enhanced that in a way that i think was a very clever choice yeah, I think I think if you were actually watching this anew and hadn't seen the original, you'd be like, "What the fuck is this?" But there were because there were so many references to the original. There was also no explaining a lot of stuff. So even though they had the backstory with the children at the beginning, I think if you were suddenly watching it, you'd be like, "Why are these children acting in this way? Like, <laughs> what is this? This is ridiculous." But because obviously, like fan favourites would be like oh of course Winnie's gonna act like that because you know how iconic the way she's portrayed so yeah I I can't imagine a child watching the second one and loving it as much as we potentially loved the first one when we were younger so I do think it's really an adult movie Mm. I don't think it's for kids interesting I don't I don't agree I actually think I can I can see kids and teenagers watching this one and i feel like this film on its own is entertaining and gives you a story a story with a beginning and an end and a background and everything you have it's a, it's, a, it's self-contained and it's it's entertaining i think that if it hits the right person in the same way that I think original Hocus Pocus hit right people and made people like it. I definitely see it being something that really lasts with people, but I think that it's enhanced for the fans of the original film. It's, it's, it's a start and finish and end. They give you the context of it behind this, you know, at the beginning. This is where they came from. This is what they need to do. This is how they get destroyed. <gasps> Spoilers. You don't <laughs> need to know happily destroyed the only reason that you need to know (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, that sounds messy, but happy. That sounds on brand. The only reason that you need to know that they came back before is because of Gilbert, who is the helper. Yes, the weird sort. Which I okay, I'm annoyed about Gilbert. Mm-hmm. Okay, because. Why? Why couldn't they have referenced an actual child that existed in the first film rather than introducing Gilbert that was on the sidelines? Or was yeah. at least one of those kids in the, like, charge like, up to the cabin? Yeah, like, like yeah. literally anything that, like, yeah. it doesn't have to be someone that was a main part in the first one. Just, like, yeah. a, a small cutaway or, like, ah, that's the kid. Well, they did say the cutaway of, like, he was just walking down the street because they took his, uh, the, the bullies in the first one took his candy. He, I, I do agree with you he should have been they should have just been like arrow to this person yeah like like, it was him just just looked at the old footage and decided one of those children was him that wasn't the reason that gilbert annoyed me gilbert annoyed me because he just kind of like didn't do anything got off at the end he got got the juice of the berries he brought back three murderous witches who wanted to destroy the world and then at the end of it he was like i'll see i'll give you a discount next time we see you yeah, his, his welcome to corporations. But then, but then <laughs> right, we, were gonna, we, we were going to talk about this anyway. It was a the, metaphor for mass production and e-commerce. The um, is a metaphor for gun gun control. There, I said it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we've got we've gone hard, deep and hard. <laughs> Who's sex type? Nobody's sex type. I did not foresee this in the in a Disney film chat. <laughs> <laughs> So we were going to talk about it anyway, but all the female roles were reasonably well-rounded. I mean, you know, they're not going to be, like, the most multifaceted characters ever. But Gilbert, literally the most one-dimensional character in the world. Yeah, but the most exciting performance was when he was doing the bit at the beginning and they're like, ooh, the Exactly. But interesting that the male character is the one that's very flat. Yeah, I'm not going to cry at night over a non-developed male character in this Yeah, but still... But still, they could have done more. Still has to try absolutely not at all to be redeemed at the end. Yeah, just like, okay, bye. That's true. True. So we talked a bit there at the beginning about the, the the way this movie started, which is with the origin story when the sisters were kids, and it starts with young Winifred stamping down the streets of Salem, which I really enjoyed because you just knew it was her because of her mannerisms and her hair and her teeth. Do you think, though, that they needed an origin story for the way... for A, for this particular universe, this story in general, and B, for the way this story played out with the emphasis on the relationship between the sisters? Because I was a bit like... This is interesting, but I don't know if it's necessary. What did you think? I do think it was probably a bit of padding, to be honest. Mm. Because, like I said a minute ago, I really do think it was just the same story again. I don't think there was any new story there. Like, Okay, there's these three other women that are like, taking over the mantle, but you could tell that story in like six minutes. Mm. <laughs> but like the whole film was dedicated to the witches coming back and wanting to be young again and steal the souls of children... And that's just the same story that was told previously. So I think it was added to add a bit more dimension to the to the same story again. Okay. And I enjoy, I en- I enjoyed that. Was it needed? No, but I think a lot of it actually wasn't needed. We didn't learn really anything. None of it was new. necessary. <laughs> None of it was necessary. It was just a kind of reminiscing hour and a half. Yeah. Fair. I think sequels very often are 
more or less the same story being retold in slightly different packaging and this was no exception in many ways i do think it had a slightly different story but ultimately yeah it is basically the same thing fine sure i don't think it needed the background but i do think that it has been 30 years since the original and i think that there was a reason why like that choice was made to remind the audience that they are sisters and that that that's that that's Mm. the beginning because we when we meet them in the first film they're already adults yeah and there is that question of betrayal and stuff that happens in the first in the first one as well and there was you know there was a very clear message involved in both the background padding and the the new introduced characters in this in this sequel that i think it did did need it also yeah it was padding it was to flesh out it was a reason to have a historic scene Mm. that they had in the first film that you wouldn't have found another way to do it was fun and funny personally i found it a bit cringe but i have (laughs) feelings about child actors in general um but i Mm. you know like it was enjoyable and and i do think it was necessary in some ways and i think that it's it's what we've talked about with origin stories and villain origin stories before is like it's nice it's good to have a a reason and motivation to root for them and i actually think it it arguably gave them Mm. it gave them a reason to come back Mm. Yeah, and why we were maybe sad at the end. Yeah, like yeah. it didn't. I don't think that. I don't think that we could have justifiably believed that they would come back without that, and it gave them a motivation for what they're doing and why they're doing it. More so, and why they didn't do it before. Yeah, more so than we would have had. And I think you know, an origin story needs a good motivation, as we've talked about. Mm. Yeah, and you want to see people. You want to see a villain achieving something, achieving a goal and everything and, and being able to see that. Yeah, it yeah. was a really good way to actually close it as well because I like that it didn't really say like, oh, we're going to come back another time. It was like, no, we're done now. Yeah, we're done. Yeah. They're yeah. dead, dead. No, I, Yeah, they're dead, <laughs> dead. They're dead, dead now. But it made sense why Winnie would sacrifice herself for her sister. Obviously, yeah. she didn't know that's what was going to happen, but she was happy because yeah. she was like, I'll be with my sisters. Yeah, it did definitely help to set up that sisterly dynamic more than in the first film where it's just like we happen to be sisters and witches and also I didn't Um, realise that everyone bar Winnie like Sarah Mary didn't actually couldn't do the flashy thing Mm. like couldn't actually really really do powers I suppose it never came well the thing with the first one was that Mary could smell children it was the sniffing Ah. and with Sarah it was the song and the luring them and then Winnie would do the yeah at the end. The, oh, yeah, the Emperor that's Zap. But um, then also with the new trio, yeah. only one of them can do magic as well. Oh, well, yeah, but they're not sisters, they're friends. And then we get on to the question of sisters, friends, sisterhood. Yeah, friends, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think really like really good points on the opening because it set up that reflection of the first film where we we start with Thackeray Binks and Emily. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the, the bit I was missing because of my video. Yeah, which you've got none of that, which is, <laughs> I'm sad for you. So yeah, it was a good parallel for that. It did help to the ending of the film, I think, like you say. It also helped to set up their motivation, like you say, Kim, like this agents on the mayor. Although it wasn't entirely that, it was also about Winnie being like the most powerful witch ever. Although that was tied into the sister thing. So was it... 
Was it necessary for the entire story arc for the Sanderson sisters? Possibly not. Was it necessary for this film? I think possibly, actually. Yeah. Because to start with, I was like, this is silly! And then I was like, meh. But the child actor thing as well, it's very hard for child actors to be child actors anyway and do it well. Especially such an iconic character. Exactly. To come and take on something that is so loved and so (laughs) established by an actress who is 70 years older than you now. Yeah. Yeah. That's and I, hard. What actually, it wasn't Winnie that I was kind of impressed with. It was the one that played Sarah because I was like, how as a child? Because Sarah's like character eight. is so sexualized. Uh, yeah, how do you do that? As that a, as yeah, a kid? and I was yeah. like, I really don't, she was don't so know how I'm going to feel as a child like, yeah. and, like without being sexualized and it and worked yeah, really with the, yeah, so of, I was yeah, actually more impressed with yeah. that because I was yeah. like, fair play directors not to try and make her weirdly, weirdly sexual. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're yeah. taking on an iconic character. Yeah, that's quite daunting. Yeah, it's Jesus. quite daunting, and I, I think you know, 30. she held her own yeah. in a way, and and it was entertaining. And when you you know when you realise what's happening and you realise why they're doing it, and you're like, no, okay. It's camp and it's it's silly, and they're not trying to be perfect. They're not trying to be subtle. No. Um, no, 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 no. And as soon no, as that was the thing, then I think that that was fine. So we've talked about this being an homage to the fans. We've talked about some of the, the references to the first film. What did you think of the callbacks to the original? And did you have a favourite? Because there were there were a lot of them. It was very mm. heavy with like verbal references, visual references, thematic references. Yeah, What what did you think? I'd like to hear what, but so I was watching it whilst I had the girls, so I probably Fair missed enough. a hell of a lot. Yeah. The, so, the one I noticed, I mean, I've no, I noticed a few, yeah. but the one I really enjoyed was in a crowd, there was the Madonna with her boobies. Yeah. Like, like the, I enjoyed the weird that. Random kind of, little scatterings. The setting of the Hocus Pocus universe within the Hocus Pocus universe was a bit... I couldn't. I didn't know if I liked that or not because there was that with the Madonna booby cones. Yeah. And also, you remember in the first one, there was Satan and the woman he lived oh, with. Oh, yeah, and then someone and was watching someone it. Someone was on, watching yeah. that scene and then those people I didn't were wearing like that, that bit. costume. I didn't mind the costume. Silly, right? I didn't mind the costume because yeah. it's like, that could be a coincidence. Yeah. Like the Madonna thing. Yeah, could be a coincidence. True. That's true. But the watching of it is... It's like, no, you're watching Hocus Pocus. Yeah, that's when you watch Hocus Pocus when Hocus when... Pocus is happening. Yeah, yeah I didn't yeah. like that one. Yeah, no, I agree, that one was silly. Then there was also the bits with the, like, the riding, the broom, the mm. Swiffer, and the Roombas, which in the first film it was a broom, a mop, and a vacuum cleaner. Mm. There were, God, there were so many. There were things like the the sun com- sun coming up when it was just lights from a car like when they were trapped in the in in the ring of salt in the garage oh yeah there were there were shit tons of them this is why i think you can't watch this as someone that's never watched the first exactly one. It's, it's constant nudge nudge wink wink yeah it's and, very, it, and it's, it's not even but, and it's not it's not even for children no. uh, like it's it's but this I is think in joke for adults. But I think so many children's films are in jokes for adults, mm. and I I'm not as familiar with Hocus Pocus the first as the one. as you guys are, and I still enjoyed Hocus Pocus too. And obviously, I got some of the 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 references, but like I I think I would have enjoyed it just as well if I hadn't. Yeah. Like for me, the Rumba thing. The rumba thing is the funny. The thing is funny anyway, yeah. The rumba thing and is funny anyway. And especially having them following them around throughout the film. Mm. Yeah. Oh, 
Loved it. When Loved they were just like, oh, we're going to stop and hoover up some popcorn. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And obviously, you know, like the, the, the cat, the Thackeray Banks cat that yeah. wasn't the Thackeray yes. Banks cat. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I kept on thinking um, that was going to be something, but I'm it wasn't all, you know, just a cat. I'm all for the cats, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you can watch a lot of films with a lot of wink, wink, nudge, nudge, and get away with it. But yeah, there was, there was a lot that was referenced. And one thing particularly that kind of grated with me was the musical reference so in hocus pocus one they go in a crash party to find max and danny's parents are at and then famously winnie and mary and sarah all get up on stage and sing i put a spell on you and then yeah. everyone's oh, under a spell and they have to dance 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 until you die perfect yes <laughs> so then when they in the second one they come back first thing they do is sing the witches back oh. Anna elton john really 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 angered me really um, angered me as well I was like come on there's there's no need for this immediate half ass musical number right no no made me very cross because it makes sense when they're at the disco place it doesn't make the sense discotheque. when yeah. they're in the woods <laughs> no. No. no there's no or the, why would they know that why would that stop? Yeah. no doesn't make any sense and then they go to the fairground and then they get up on stage in a Sanderson sister costume competition of which one I of the competitors that. was Ginger Minj yes I did no, I did notice good. that um, and then they lose and then they sing one way or another I was okay with that though because they that were on a stage was fine yeah not and when like, they appear in the woods. They've been dead for centuries, oh, and that's the first thing they bloody do. They don't just come on and sing Elton John no. after 29 years in the ground. Although they might have heard it the first time when they well, came Well, the trouble was, is when that happened, I was like, nope, not going to enjoy this. I'm really yeah, sad. Yeah, that was the first big turn-off for yeah. me. I was like, no. And then the rest, I got over it, and it was fine. Kim, what did you think? Yeah, no, it was a no from me. And I, God knows I love a musical... But I was cringing, mm-hmm. properly cringing. And I was like, I get what they're trying to do. Obviously, like you say, they're trying to do the spell on you thing. But the thing about I put a spell on you is it's called I put a spell on you. Yeah. And they just went, haha, which rhymes with bitch song. Yeah. And it's like, and also there were so many other songs they could have chosen. And if or this, just don't sing. Just come or back. Or just don't sing. But no like, need at that point if you're like, no, sing. we have to sing. We have to sing. Pick a song that actually. It's been thirty years. There's songs with the word witch in them. There's songs with the word spell in them. But in the first one, they don't just break into song. They sing on a stage. See, if they is, broke into song in the first one, fine. This is the thing about the arrival. I felt like this set up their arrival to be a lot creepier, and then they came out the ground and did that. Yeah, it was like they had the chance to set them up as even more terrifying villains the second time around. Mm. But I think that that that. might have been a choice with the whole camp not gritty thing. Uh, And, you know, to be fair, if I stumbled across three strange women that I accidentally raised from the dead and then they started singing, I'd be pretty creeped out. Not if it was Elton John. (laughs) I don't know. If it was like a slowed down nursery rhyme, yeah, sure. I just think it could have been any other song and also... It was a terrible song choice. Song choice? I think the song choice stuff speaks to the approach that you guys are saying that this is for, you know, this is for the grown-up millennials, Mm. not the current generation. I think they redeemed themselves when they went to the pharmacy and drank all the 
Drinking with a face lotion. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah. That made me that made me chuckle. I did like Come the on. from the song. We're gonna take a small break. We're gonna have a wee because we can. We might like a black flame candle. We'll see what happens. No, but none of us are virgins, so Oh shit. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. Okay, well we're gonna go out on the street find a virgin. Get them to light a black flame candle. <laughs> Thank you for titling your sex tape, and we'll be back for part two of Focus Matches <laughs> 2. break um we have refilled our glasses although not with the wine that we started with because we drank it all um yeah we did so i think it's worth talking about the um i forgot what it was called the stole it from here it is sorry the the wanderer it's worth talking about the wanderer malbec um that we had in the first half which was a bold red wine off of argentina um alex you go first what did you think not very bold really well it's just kind of very nondescript. Huh. Yeah. I think I think what it is is because it, it went down very easily, which is to not to say that I didn't like it. Well, it's just not. I, I liken it to a white because it went down so easily. But is that not a good thing for you because you don't normally like a red? Yes. So I'm saying that it was a good thing, but I'm saying it wasn't very thick and bold because it's more like a white. Right. But historically, Alex, the Red wines that you have liked have been the more flavorful reds. Flavorful reds. Well, well done, Kim, for remembering that because I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I only know because I'm always surprised. Oh, <laughs> okay. I found it very drinkable. I found it very peppery. Um, it. I, I agree with Alex in that it wasn't very. Um, it wasn't a full-bodied. Yeah, I don't red. think it was syrupy. I think that's no, maybe what I'm thinking. It didn't have the syrupy. like. It didn't have the dramatic gloop mm, <laughs> yes. over a red wine. Um, but I did really like the flavour, and I would buy this if I were looking for a red. I think. Yeah, I I have to say I agree. Like I I thought it was really juicy, mm. um, more so than spicy or peppery. There are other other Malbecs that we've had that have been really fiery and this isn't a very fiery one it's very streaky it's really juicy and it, it as I said earlier I feel like it's Shiraz adjacent but also um I do think that it's quite easy drinking for a Malbec and Malbec can be quite challenging as a wine and that Why? is because of that like boldness and that heaviness oh. and that like weightiness that's so weird i don't because i apart from the podcast i don't know a lot about red wine so i'm intrigued that a malbec is meant to be quite ultimately i think you know it's a re- it's a really good example of a quite good malbec that's it's quite people pleasing and i think not as heartburny or fiery as some no. malbecs can be but we still have another half of the podcast to go mm. so we are drinking um three different kinds of wine now i have a new zealand uh, sauvignon blanc kim you have another malbec um also argentinian yeah i am argentina the the, the great land argentina. of argentina <laughs> It's actually pronounced Argentinia. Argentinia, sorry. Um, no, Ar- Argentinian yeah. Susanna, yeah. Yeah, Ar- Argentina, the great land of Malbec. I have Trevento, my favourite red wine. And Alex, you have Dino. <laughs> I have I have Dino or Dino. Or Dino. Um, I have a Pinot Grige from Italia. Italia. <laughs> great, we're doing really well. But speaking of Hocus Pocus 2, 
we've talked a lot in the first half about how we felt this acted as a sequel, whether we thought it lived up to expectations, how it dealt with uh, throwbacks and things like that. But one of the things that was very different about this film compared to the first one was its, not treatment of the female characters, but presentation, I think, of the female characters. So in the first one, obviously, you have the three main witches. You have Winnie, Sarah and Mary. And then it was um, Max, uh, who was kind of the lead character, his younger sister, Danny, who he was trying to protect, and then his would-be love interest. And it was very much around them and also Thackeray Banks the cat, who was, of course, the soul of a 17th century boy trapped in a black cat, <laughs> because why would it not be? Of course. In this film, you had the same three witches. You had um, Winnie... Sarah Mary, and then you also had this uh, trio of friends who were Becca, Izzy, and Cassie. Well remembered. I wrote it down. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I was about to say, Jesus, I don't remember. I knew I'd forget, so I wrote it down. <laughs> Becca, Izzy, and Cassie, who go to the same school as people in the first film, and there's <gasps> some. Did not, did not. Did not look there. No. The oh, yeah. I just assumed. Yeah, no, it's the same school, um, 30 years on. And they are around the age of 16, so similar age to... 16th birthday. 16th birthday, yep. Um, and it's more around their friendship than it is around family protection. How do you think this film dealt differently with female relationships, whether that is sisterhood, whether that is friendship, to the original one? I think <laughs> the original one... I don't think the Sanderson sisters explored their sisterhood, if you mm. if you get what I mean. It was just the fact that they were sisters, because I, I suppose the, the Sanderson sisters and it being three witches sounds quite spooky, and that's kind of like referencing lots of kind of like witch stories over the years and blah, blah, blah. blah. Um, but I don't think it ever really kind of delved into their relationship or why they were particularly close or would do anything for each other apart from the fact that they were related if yeah. anything they took the piss out of each other quite a lot <laughs> and they do leave her second... she has done her chore <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean they do in the second one as well but i think with the second one the fact that it's got the backstory and then at the end the fact that they want to be together like Winnie essentially sacrifices her power to be with her sisters again and in the first one even though they had two lead roles that were also female that weren't the sisters it was essentially the male that was leading it and they weren't that interesting as characters they were just kind of there to serve the plot i do think the second one regardless of its campery and uh, all the kind of like craziness that surrounds the story um it gave more to the female characters mm. and it was the friendship was interesting the fact that they supported each other there wasn't any point that they doubted each other they obviously didn't really they had this like weird dispute with the other friend cassie yeah and but yet at the end they all came together and they supported the friend that had these weird like lights coming out of her hand and like you're like yeah no we completely support you and 
I think there was definitely more reference to, yay, women, let's all be empowered to be with each other and let's be sisters, either friendship or or not. Whereas the first one, it's just coincidental. They just happen mm. to be a coven of witches who are related and yeah. it feeds into the, the narrative around, like, maiden mother crone thing with the even the woman yeah. at the beginning in the forest she's she's lost her who? coven do you know who that was who shame none from game of thrones <gasps> what also but awesome. she's so hot Ted Lasso. Yeah, Ted yeah. Lasso. yeah luke was like she is hot yeah have you ever seen her she's fucking hot luke was like who is that why do i know her and i was like shame none it's it's the lady <laughs> from ted lasso in a halloween costume shame yeah. none yeah she was in a terrible costume. that's what you should the go as for halloween shame none <laughs> but like the fact that she's like keep hold of your sisters i've lost my cover and all that jazz there there was a massive thing surrounding mm. sisterhood in all in all its forms mm. yeah definitely i broadly agree with you alex i is it because my point was very broad <laughs> no 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 i think i no, i think you really summarize the difference between the first and second film really well i disagree on two points which is that... Um, well done for pulling out the points because I don't even remember <laughs> what I fucking said. Points in which I disagreed with you were the small child in the first film, Danny. Mm-hmm. I do feel like she had a significant in, in integral personality and role and character in the first Sorry film. I think that her personality and and character was very important for the first film however it doesn't speak to female friendship and everything like that which is is part of the question that sam asked i think it's unfair to say that the first film did not have a female lead and a female character that was significant and important outside of the witches i do agree that everything else you said about you know that the the relationship with the sisters how they kind of just happened to be a coven that were sisters and all that sort of stuff I i think that's absolutely true I also have a criticism about this film, The Hocus Pocus 2, which is that I felt that the conflict between the three friends, um, Cassie Becker and Izzy, Mm -hmm. and the relationship between them was justified, legitimate, um, relatable. What, what, What was it? Why were they not talking to each other? Cassie got a boyfriend. Boyfriend was popular. Cassie became popular. Ah. Started talking to OG friends. Yeah. OG friends started leaving her out of things, and then she went, "Why am I not?" Yeah. Typical American. Well, typical free ball friendship at fifteen, sixteen. Like it was completely relatable, completely understandable. I missed that. that. And actually, I really appreciated that, and I really appreciate. I've I've been finding recently how much I really appreciate stories about drifting past female friendships i think that that's um has previously are trying been to, are you trying to tell us yeah that? no fuck you all <laughs> no um i it's it's just something that i've i've personally gone through quite a lot and i think that it's an undertold story mm. in mainstream media and i really appreciated that but i personally felt like of all the things besides the musical numbers mm-hmm. it was shoehorned in yeah it wasn't explored very well and there was a very rushed bit where they were like i missed that as well we all forgive you and everything's fine and now we're all bezzy chems and i was just like i just felt like it was really rushed that 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 moment where they come to terms with the differences and talk through their issues and Mm -hmm. i feel like it did a disservice to what it was trying to do because it was obviously i i feel like probably there were scenes that were cut that made this longer and they tried to make it down to a, a reasonable thing and they replaced one extra scene of them having a heartfelt conversation and dealing with their issues with a song 
a song. <laughs> and <laughs> I think, like, well, we could take this very integral scene for character development. Or Elton John. Yeah. Elton John. Elton John. Well, we've already paid the royalties (laughs) to Elton John and it's cost us millions. Elton John is so so we're going to do that. And it it felt, it ended up feeling rushed, Mm. shoehorned and tokenistic. No, it it, it did though. It was was a sort of... um, It was, oh, women have problems with their friendships. Then they acknowledge they have the problems and the problems go away. Yeah, that's how female friendships work. Great. Mm. Um, And also, but one thing I did appreciate about that dynamic was Becca and Izzy were, they were annoyed with Cassie for ditching them for this boy, but the boy was a moron. Um, (laughs) Yeah, he really was. He was really dumb. So dumb. And he didn't really have an impact on anything. Like, it wasn't like a oh, because I want to hang out with him more or because of this. Like, it was very... He, he was almost incidental to the to the friendship. He wasn't... Much like um, the women usually are in, He wasn't in redeemed. Yeah. He wasn't like, oh, but actually he's the hero all Last along. thing I saw of him was him being chased down the street. Like, he was just a person really who him. was there and that was he fine. Was like, it was never really... I appreciated that as well. Yeah, I and he wasn't... Yeah. But he wasn't, like, a full-on meathead. He was just dumb. Yeah. He was just, yeah. like... Well-meaning, nice. Didn't realise that he was a twat. Yeah, and when he was like, "Oh, I was just calling you nerds because you're nerds." It's like that, am I, I didn't. To call he was like, nerds? "I didn't realise that it." Yeah. And uh, now I have to rethink so many things. So I thought that was really cute. Yeah. Obviously, that is also giving credit for the absolute bare fucking minimum. But <laughs> men. Uh, yeah. So was um, it? Di- it was directed by a woman. It was directed. By yeah. A woman, yes. It feels like it was. Yeah. Yeah. So this kind of rift between two of the women in, in, in this trio caused by all, well, all of the women in this trio caused by a man is reflective of the rift between Sarah and Winnie caused by Billy Butcherson. Um, obviously in this film there was a bit more of an invest not investigation, a bit more of a treatment of the relationship between Winnie with Billy, who turns out just kissed him once and then went, My boyfriend and then <laughs> uh, and then also the, the, the Which family. kind of annoyed me actually. Yeah, that was a bit shit. It was a bit shit. Because it's just another like, oh well, a woman just saw too much into like, yeah, that irritated me a little bit. We're also quick to believe Billy. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Um, But that's because Billy was on the side of good in the first film, I think, rather than because he's a man. That's how I charitably see it. Do we think that was necessary? Very charitable. But there were definitely parallels between the two trios. The trios being Becky, Cassie, and Izzy. Uh, in modern day and obviously the three Sanderson sisters how do you think those parallels were handled because there were very definite choices in terms of um, costuming the colours yeah, the use yeah. on both were even weirdly their hair hair um, characters like one who was not not this explicitly not this uh, not as um, reductively like the one who was boy obsessed so yeah Sarah like so Phys- and physically, yeah. Yeah, um, you had the leader, quote unquote, mm. who was the one who the action revolved around. So you had Winnie and you had Becca, and then you had um, the other one because Mary gets a shit time in this mm. film, and I think Izzy gets a shit time in this film. How do you think it was handled? I think um, actually Izzy probably got more screen time than Mary ever got, mm. which is quite nice. 
And but yet I still felt that Izzy got shortchanged in this film the did, entire she time. Did. She just had to make she, she a lot of like... Best friend vibes. Yeah, best friend vibes. She had to make a lot of like, hmm, facial expressions. And I just put in a little fact here that I learned on the internet. So apparently Kathleen and Jimmy can't do the face thing that she's famous for for this role on the same side anymore because of her age. So she did it once. There's a scene in the film where Winifred slaps her. And then for the rest of the film, she does it on the other side because her muscles are stronger on that side. She can only do it on that side now. Mm. How do you feel the ending fit with the rest of the film? Because the ending, so again, spoilers if you haven't seen it. Um, Winifred uh, performs a spell to become like the most powerful witch ever. The cost is that which she holds most dear, which, oh, you think it's her spell book, but shock, it's her sister's. And they just kind of dissolve in a, I don't know, sad Jedi-esque <laughs> like, um, it way. Um, and then she's like, no, 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 bring them back. And then she accepts it to, in order to bring them back. She has, she can't bring them back. She has to go to them. Do you think that is a fair quote-unquote ending? Because we know from the end of the film that it might not be the ending. Um... Do you think that's a fair summary and ending for Winifred's character and for the sisters as a whole? I thought that it felt rushed, but it felt true. Mm-hmm. If that made sense. Like, I I felt like there needed to be just a smidge more of her coming to terms with it. Mm-hmm. It just, she, she, she accepted it so quickly and it was the same way that I felt about how Izzy Becker and Cassie became friends again. They were like, oh, we're, we're friends again. It just felt mm. like there was something missing. And I think that that is probably editing. I don't know if it's necessarily fitting for Winnie, but I do feel like that it is the happiest ending that you could give a beloved villain. Mm. But at the same time, like I think if that's your goal, if your goal is to put... <laughs> A, a, a beloved villain to bed you need to give them time like that's mm. what Maleficent does that's what it, yeah you know like that's what a lot of the the better sequels etc have done is that and they've they've put these villains to bed and I just think that that was rushed yeah agreed um in favor of Austin yeah <laughs> I think that's a really good point. Yeah. And you have just as much emotional investment in a decent villain as you do in a decent hero. Yeah. And you should be able to celebrate more than that person in the same way. And, you know, I felt, I did feel sad when they all started dissolving into the wind. Mm. Um, Same. Much more than I did when, actually, yeah, much more than I did when Thackeray Binks dies in the first one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you invest more yeah. in them than you do in the good guys. Well, they are the leads of this film. Yeah. And this franchise. So, they were so good. Yeah. Their performances were yeah. so good. I can't believe... I, above everything, I'm so pleased that they used the originals. Do you think this was a fitting sequel to the originals? Did you feel it delivered what you needed it to deliver? Because I think this did a lot of things that it needed to do in terms of the humour and the callbacks and as the director said being a tribute to the fans I don't necessarily feel that it did the original characters the tribute that it could have but it was a fun 
ride with these characters that you know and love. It mm-hmm. made them more of a comedic relief than villains, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked it, but I don't know if I felt it was the way I would have ended their story. How did mm. you feel? Interesting. I don't have as much connection to this film as you do, as I've mentioned. But I felt that as a sequel, it was pretty fitting. Like, it wasn't perfect because I don't... I I just don't really believe in sequels. If something is conceived... Something that's not left open-ended. Yeah, if something is conceived as a standalone, I don't actually think it needs to be followed up and I object to it. But I think as as follow-ups and sequels and etc go like i i do think that this did what you would want and expect from it because it didn't give doom and gloom to mm-hmm. characters that you loved and it gave a showcase to the campery and joy that the original mm-hmm. film mm-hmm. gave i think in the essence of what they were trying to achieve with this film i think they did a really good job i think it was a perfect nod to the original mm. and a perfect little package to those that it was a gift to the fans a gift to the fans yeah. it was a gift to the fans i think it was a ginormous budget for something that is just a well done yay thank you for loving us for 30 years but it doesn't mean that i didn't enjoy it so that brings us to the end of the show this week but before we go we have a bottle of wine to rate not the ones we've been drinking in the last half but the first half wine and we also have a movie which was hocus pocus 2 in case you got to this point and forgot (laughs) so let's start with the wine which was the wanderer malbec the wanderer malbec Mm -hmm. off of sainsbury's yep i really enjoyed it i thought it that it was um, very, very juicy for Malbec. It's not my favourite Malbec that I've ever had, and mm-hmm. Malbec is my favourite mm-hmm. wine. So I'm going to give it a 3.5. Also because I know how much it cost. Um, over to Albert. Alex. The fifth musketeer. She's quick, she's cool, she rides on a mule. <laughs> Albert! <laughs> um... I'm not going to beat around the bush. The Malbec bush. I'm going to give it a solid two. No description. (laughs) (laughs) A two. A two is very low. Yeah, because because it's... I... It's forgettable. Um, I would give it a 3.5. Bordering a four. Probably a 3.5. Um, I think it was a very nice red. I have not drunk a lot of red recently. Maybe that's why I have a freshly cleansed red palette. But um, I thought it was very drinkable and very nice. And so, to finish the episode, Hocus Pocus 2. What are we giving out of Okay. I am going to give it a four. Not because I think it is a cinematic masterpiece. But because as a Hocus Pocus fan... I found it fun. I found it stupid. There were points that were annoying, but I was like, if I were doing a Hocus Pocus sequel, how much would I really have done differently to this? Yes, I would have cut the Elton John. <laughs> but the rest of it, I was like, yeah. Yeah, this is what I wanted. Yeah. Therefore. I think that's why I struggled to give it a rating. Because <laughs> yeah, as um, a standalone uh, film... Critically bad. Yeah. As a fan, 
But also, even yes. just individually, if you hadn't seen the first, it would be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, exactly. It's very um, hard, which is why I'm rating it as a fan. As a fan, I give it four. Yeah. As a non-fan, I give it 1.5. Oh, that's very low. Done. Kim, as a middling fan, where would you go with this? I think I'm going to give it a 3.5. Oh, okay. Ooh. That's good. Again, um... You know, I'm not not a fan of the first film. I enjoyed the first film. I just, I'm not like personally attached to it in the same way that I am with many other Disney films. Mm. I, th- but I do have feelings about sequels and and authenticity. Mm. I thought it was really good. I thought it was really entertaining. I watched it on a Sunday night, and there were cringe moments, which is why I knock it down from a four to a three point five. Um, um, yeah, I think three point five for me. I thought it was really entertaining as someone who's not a huge fan watching it with someone who I think cared a little bit more than I did maybe mm-hmm. but um yeah like it just it was it was slightly cringy and I can deal with the cringe but the cringe knocked it down it was great I enjoyed it it was perfect for the season it was perfect for the mood I think that it did a really good job of taking something from the early 90s reimagining it for the 2020s without making it fucking dark gritty reboot mm. bullshit or too like yolo hashtag uh, yeah blah, 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 i think blah, blah. it did i just think it did a really good job of preserving the original intent of the film and the heart of the film whilst making it authentically 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 it did tickle me <laughs> authentically <laughs> modern quote unquote but also somewhat timeless in the way that I think the original Hocus Pocus is uh, so yeah 3.5 so if you've enjoyed the episode today don't forget to follow us on social media you can find us on Twitter at GreatCulturePod you can find us on Instagram at GreatCulturePodcast we have a website as well which is GreatCulturePodcast.co.uk and we will be back in two weeks time on a Sunday with a new episode for you to listen to we don't know what it is yet you'll find out at the time but thank you for listening Bye. Bye.